Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition. I am so excited to let you know that my special guest on tonight's episode is Dana, the lead vocalist of the band Kingdom of Giants. Their brand new album, All the Hell You've Got to Spare, comes out Friday, May 5th on In Vogue Records. It's such a great album. You're going to love listening to it, and you're going to love hearing Dana talk about everything that went into it. So let's get right to it. But one quick warning, Dana is doing the show from a place in the woods of California, and there happens to be a like scratching, crumpling type paper sound every once in a while when he speaks. It happens. It's a computer Wi-Fi call. So I just want to let you know, nothing is wrong with your system. It just goes in and out from time to time. I took out what I could. But don't worry, you're going to love this. So let's start by playing the single Damaged Goods from the new album, All the Hell You've Got to Spare. Enjoy. Just die around me, I'm 
Welcome back, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Music. I am very, very excited today because I've got Dana from the band Kingdom of Giants. Dana, how are you doing tonight? I am doing good, man. How about yourself? I'm not doing too bad. We talked off air of a little technical difficulties. I think we've got pretty much everything worked out. I think this yeah. is going to sound <laughs> sound fine. But you told me, this is pretty interesting. Are you in the woods in California right now? Yeah, basically. I mean, we're I'm up in Northern California and we live outside of Sacramento. So you basically drive out into the fields of cows and it's just farms and no internet connection or <laughs> anything so it's it's tough but it makes it kind of secluded out here you know mm-hmm. so there's not much to do so we just like kind of get get stuck in a room and write some metal you know yeah exactly now is the whole band there as well is this like your prepping area this is definitely our home base you know sometimes i live down in huntington beach depending on what we have going mm-hmm. on uh just to get away for a little bit and um, our drummer was living in LA for a while, but he just moved up north too. Um, so about three of us live in this town, and then the rest are spread out in the Bay Area of uh, San Francisco, which is like an hour and a half away or so. Yeah, that's not too bad at all. So you're way more of a country person compared to a city guy? Um, I think this is just kind of how it's working out right now. It just happens to be where the band was originally from, mm-hmm. and I wasn't in the band at the time, so... Uh, when I joined, it's just kind of their lives are, are here. So it just made a lot of sense for me to, to come here, too. Now, going back all that way, was that Hello Sailor? That was Hello Sailor. All right. You know about Hello Sailor. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should actually probably start right now in the present and then work our way back because okay. <laughs> obviously we're recording this a little bit earlier than when it actually will come out. But we yeah. are right now, you know, a week and a half away from the brand new album. What are you feeling right now? I'm feeling crazy. I can't wait to get this out. It has just been so long and it's just, I'm just ready. And actually, you know what is that on Monday or on Sunday night, mm-hmm. we shot a, uh, last Sunday, this past Sunday, we shot a new music video down in LA for yeah. a song on the album. And I thought, I got my dates mixed up, and I thought it was coming out this Friday. So just yesterday, I realized there's two weeks left, not right. one week. And I was just like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, it's Friday, May 5th. All the yes. hell you've got to spare finally yes. comes out. And I have to say, I was lucky enough today to be able to go through the entire album a few times. And I loved good. it, man. It is good. really, really good. Nice. I'm glad you dig it, man. Because I know, you know, I'm really liking the singles we're putting yeah. out, and you know, it's it's kind of hard to choose, you know, because you don't want to put out your favorite song, right? You know, because you want people to have something to look forward to once they actually get to hear the whole album, and you don't want to put out the three best songs, and all of a sudden someone hears the album, they're like, oh yeah, the singles were the best ones, like, right? I've done right. that's happened so many times, and I get disappointed. So I like to save a couple of the the bangers, as we call them, mm-hmm. for the album, you know, right. How do you decide which three you're going to put out? Is it you and the record label or do you guys just get together and say, all right, we kind of like these ones, but we're saving these? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I think it uh, I think a lot of labels probably um, work differently. Um, Not from ours, but I think every label probably works a little differently. Mm -hmm. With Invo, we're we're very hands on as a band and our label owner. He basically I don't know if it's because we're good at making decisions or if he just likes the decisions we make but mm-hmm. he gives us a lot of 
freedom to choose which singles we want to put out and you know, when it comes to art and direction of everything, he seems to be on the same page as us all the time. So we just kind of get together as a band and decide, you know, what's the first thing that we want people to hear? They haven't heard music from us in two years. Right. You know, do we, we don't want to put out just the first song you put out. I'm guilty of it myself. When a, a band puts out a song, you almost without thinking about it, base the whole album off that one song. And you're like, sure. that's one of 10 or 12 <laughs> songs. What are you doing? I catch myself doing it all the time, but it's going to happen. So you want to put out something, at least in our eyes, you want to put out something that kind of incorporates the whole feel of the album, um, which is why we chose Damaged Goods because right. there's a lot heavier songs on the album and there's a lot lighter songs. Like our second single, Runaway, was like, very experimental, barely any screaming, very mm -hmm. melodic. Yep. You know, we could have put that out first and who knows what people would have thought, you know? So we thought that Damaged Goods was a good choice that kind of has just the right amount of heavy, just the right amount of catchy and melodic and technical as, as we really wanted. And I totally agree with that as well. And then let's not also forget about Motif, which was let out, totally. what, yeah, two years ago then? Yeah, yep. two years ago, 2015, right? Yep. Man, that one hits really heavy. Have you been playing that live? Yes, we have. We've been uh, normally closing the set with it, actually. So, Very nice. Uh, it's a nice, yeah. No, that's great. And actually, to kind of move it a little bit to the touring right now, you're about to go out on tour. And for the first time, I can't believe this is even possible, I am finally going to see you live for the first time when you're out <laughs> with Capture, Dayseeker, and My Enemies and I. Well, I hate to... Uh ruin such a positive uh experience for you uh -oh. but we had to just announce the other day that we had to cancel the tour wait a second how did i miss that are you just fucking with me no i swear are you dude. serious um, what happened yeah um we just got a random uh email the other day yeah, yeah. basically capture is from australia right. and one way or another i don't know how or who's fault or why or anything all i know is bottom line they didn't or couldn't get their visas and they couldn't come to do the tour and um the whole tour just canceled so the, it's the headliner you know so wow there was a maybe an opportunity for a band to it's you know people think it's as easy as oh why, why don't you guys just headline like right. yeah, we, we would have loved to do that but it's not up to us there's booking agents and labels and other bands mm -hmm. and 30 different promoters that you would have to convince to let that happen and contracts change, you know? So I wish it were as simple as us being like, fuck it. We'll headline, like don't cancel the tour, but <laughs> right. it's just not how it works. Unfortunately, you know, that's absolutely crazy. I wasn't joking either. I'm looking at my ticket. It's staring me right in the face right now. Well, you better get your money back. I know, ASAP, dude. You would have thought you would have thought the place would have at least told us, like, hey, I know. <laughs> Damn, well, yeah, man, it's it's ruthless because I mean, we now we don't have a tour for our. Uh, we were going to be uh, the day of the tour was a day that our album dropped. Right. So yeah, it was really going to help our first week sales and all that because that you know how crazy important that is for yep. bands mm -hmm. these days. Um, so now we have no tours and it's too late. It's coming out next week yep. and no one will book a show uh, two weeks out. It just doesn't happen regardless of, you know, if CD release show or not. You right. know, there's just not enough time to promote it. So now we don't have a CD release show. We don't have a hometown show. 
we have no way to sell CDs during our first week, so it's going to hurt our numbers, which wow. just sucks, man. That's awful, man. Hey, look, I like I said, when I brought this up, I had no idea. I was extremely excited. That's crazy. Has anything like this ever happened to you before? Um, we've had to cancel tours in the past or we've had to pull off tours, um, but not to like this extent. Right. We feel like the lineup on this tour uh, and where we're at and the hype behind it was going to be the best tour we've ever got to do. We were excited. We know Dayseeker. Those are our yeah. homies. Our drummer was actually filling in for them on this tour. So it was oh. going to be pretty cool. To He was going to be playing back-to-back sets and yeah, yeah. all this cool stuff. And it just did not, did not work out, man. Like We've had to pull off tours in the middle of it because the van breaks down and it's going to cost $1,000 to get it fixed. And right. We don't have $1,000 and we're going to be four days behind the tour and just just not going to work out you know or we got robbed one time and they stole um they stole my laptop which has like our live track on it exactly like Mm -hmm. has the whole set like we could have gone and done i guess a raw set but it wouldn't have been what we wanted to portray our band as Mm -hmm. you know so we had to pull off that but never just album coming out that day biggest tour we've ever had yeah worst part is do you know affiance yeah, they're doing their farewell tour exactly. right now, mm-hmm. and they are some of our best friends in the world. And they asked us to go oh. on that tour. We were going to be direct support for the whole tour. That would have been amazing. I know, and we had to say we couldn't do it because we had already had this tour locked in, and now that one canceled, and now they're out on the tour. And oh. I wish we maybe I was trying to see if there's any way we could jump on the West Coast dates with them or sure. something to play the last couple of few shows, but I haven't heard anything back about that. And uh, just a bummer, you know? Just, yeah. i sorry to interrupt you there. No, it's just no, it's, it's awful. Good. One of my questions I was so excited to ask, too, was whether you and Rory were going to get together for Afterglow. And I now, know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you would ever think that. So you would think that because I'm on one of their songs, he's on one of our songs, and we actually weren't going to play either of those, and we were both going to do guest vocals in different songs. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you'd think we'd take the opportunity to do it, but like that also comes down to set lists. Like What songs you play live, don't necessarily, we don't necessarily play, oh man, it's like choosing a single for an album. Right. Some songs are really great to listen to, Mm -hmm. but they don't translate live. So some of the favorite songs we don't play live just because they don't work live very well. You know, we like to choose the songs that are the right tempo for people to get into or, you know, they just set the mood right. Mm -hmm. Well, for a tour, when you actually are putting a set list together with the new album coming out, is the set list more heavily influenced from that new album or are you still mixing things in? We're definitely mixing in stuff from the from our album ground culture our previous album Mm -hmm. um we're not really playing anything from before that okay and we were we were opening or we were going to be switching on the opening and second spot with day seeker so we don't really have that much time if we we could get six songs in max right you know and we want to play three at least three songs off the new album and then at least three songs off of ground culture or maybe four songs off the new album and two off ground culture when you have like 30 or 40 songs out there at this point it's it's hard to choose i would certainly think that it would be for sure yeah, especially not to mention yeah. we are totally over playing the same songs we can't wait to play <laughs> these new ones you know right. so it's just yeah we're we're ready to play the new ones let's assume that you do get something going soon 
and that you're going yeah. out on tour. What song from the new album are you looking forward to most playing? I'm very much looking forward to... Well, we've been playing Damaged Goods mm-hmm. on the last tour. It's kind of like, hey, this is a new song. Uh, you know, let's get into it and tell us what you think. So we've been playing that, getting used to it. But now that it's out, I can't wait to play it because that song has gotten more hype for us than any song we ever have. It's already outstreamed motif that's been out for two years. Right. So yep. I'm like, wow, like kids obviously like it. People obviously like it. And uh, I want to play that live and see the difference between when they hadn't heard it and when they've got to know the song a lot. And I would think also Tunnel Vision, even though you just put it out, that's got to yep. be doing really well. We were playing that on the weekly show, and nice. people are loving. Yeah, people are loving that. I love that track. Now, obviously, it's featuring JT from Era as well, so maybe that's also one that you might not necessarily play live. But that one's got to be doing very well. Yeah, that's doing pretty well too. We uh, we tried something with the release of that song where when we announced it, we actually uploaded the song to Facebook directly yep. because you know they're. Uh, their algorithms make it so if you put a YouTube link in, it's not going to reach as many people because Facebook wants you to stay on the site. Right. So we tried uploading it just to Facebook and well, we uploaded to YouTube also, but mm-hmm. we shared the Facebook one. So that probably has the most streams. Okay. Uh, it didn't send a lot of people over to YouTube. Um, so the YouTube view count on it is pretty low. Right. Um, but the overall views on it is pretty good on facebook i haven't really checked on um spotify or anything like that yet but um yeah i imagine it's doing pretty good yeah it's definitely working its way up there how do you feel about the streaming service and how things are kind of changing with how you get your music out there um i don't mind it because it's how i listen to music Mm -hmm. now i stream everything uh i will um, I use Apple Music. I was using Spotify for a while, but Apple Music ended up just being a little bit more convenient for me. Um, I like it. I like the streaming. Um, people are there's not as many illegal downloads. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, like, and you may not be seeing all the money from it, but at least there's like someone is tracking it, and you can see your numbers, and you do get paid from it. So mm-hmm. uh, it may not be much when you're a small band, but it it. It's something, you know? Right. No, absolutely. Actually, we're in a, like a transitional phase where we're kind of phasing out of CDs and into streaming. So we're kind of caught in the middle. Right. So I wish I was on either side of it. It's a hard time for a band because your first week sales are definitely lower than they would have been before these sites happened. But they're not, people are taking into consideration streaming first week streams now. Yeah. Not just your album sales. So, it's nice that they're actually taking a look at that because we're, we happen to be killing streams for us right now. We've never done this good and who knows we'll do what we'll do on album sales and who knows five years from now, album sales might, they might not look at it at all. They might only be looking at streaming, you know? No, you're absolutely right. And then you guys did something that was a little bit more unique as well is you put out that collector's edition vinyl for all the hell you've got to spare as well. Now, this might be going too technical, but this stuff is very interesting to me. Does that count as a first week sale if you buy a vinyl? Absolutely. Okay. All right. That's good to know then. Yeah, you put out those really nasty red ones. They look great. Yeah. Yeah, those are cool, man. We are so happy to finally have vinyl. So happy. It's just, I mean, we put out you know, a full length on in vogue before this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of when we do interviews or anything like that, they are like, Oh, you're putting out your second full length. No, now. no, no. 
it's, it's actually our third full exactly. length yep. and we had an EP before that, yep. you know, so it kind of, those kind of get lost. Right. Um, but so finally putting out our, I guess our fourth release, uh, finally getting it on vinyl is something we're so happy about. I know it's a huge risk for, you know, labels because it's an, it's a niche, mm-hmm. you know, like bands like being as an ocean will, sell probably more vinyl than they do CDs because of that Mm -hmm. market. But, you know, a metalcore band, you really only know how it's going to do if you just try. So you might, our fan base may not listen to vinyl at all, but I think we sold a pretty decent amount of them so far. Uh, I think we're running out of that that 150 limited red one. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And we'll definitely have links in the description of this episode so that people can go ahead and pick it up there as well. So hopefully that'll help things too. But yeah, we're definitely going all the way back. If you have time, we're talking yeah. about all the way to the EP because I've got a lot cool, of stuff man. I want to talk about for sure. Let's do it because I've done this. I've never got to just really talk about it before. It's usually writing out answers and how long does someone really want to read answers for you know this day and age they just want to like get a quick answer and move on but when i can actually talk about it get in depth it's going to be so much better yeah let's actually do that right now one of the big things i wanted to ask you so you've got the ep abominable and i always forget am i saying that right yes okay good because that's one of those ones that i always trip on for some reason but back (laughs) back when that was out you had yourself doing the unclean vocals and you had yes. Steven Reza doing the clean vocals at the time. Now, yes. that sounded a whole lot different than the way you sound now. And I totally. remember the story coming out when you were working on Every Wave of Sound that Steven decided to move on to something different. And I remember you had a great statement of what you guys wanted to do as a band. But my question to you is, at what point in the actual writing process did Stephen leave and what was your thought process for how you were going to replace him and what you were going to do to continue the band? Cool. Let me dive in here. Cause there's a lot to talk about. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steven was actually the one that got me into kingdom of giants. Mm-hmm. Um, me, him and I were in another band together and it was my, I had just moved out to California and it was my first, time getting back into music you know i was in like i was trying to become an electrician at the time i had moved from california i had moved to california from connecticut where i had just uh, graduated and i i didn't even know i was going to get back into the music scene which is so crazy because now it is my life and my career and i would have never saw this coming and i'm so happy i took the risk uh but basically Long story short, Steven and I were in a band and he was in another band, Hello Sailor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of looked, my band kind of looked at Hello Sailor like, oh, they're going to disappear. And Hello Sailor kind of looked at my band like, oh, they're going to (laughs) disappear. We didn't really like that he was in both bands. Um, My band um, slowly kind of started to fall apart. Um, Hello Sailor started to take off a little bit. So Steven left. And, uh, my band kind of started to fall apart. Members were leaving and all that. And then these guys in hello sailor played a show. And I believe there was a scout there from outer loop management. Ah. And they started working with, um, this manager, Brian judge. And he got us, uh, you know, basically a whole plan to write an EP and put it out and everything. So these guys went down to, uh, Lambisa studios and, um, basically San Diego and right. they recorded, 
a five or a six track EP, which was abominable. Mm-hmm. And he, the vocalist at the time, really cool guy and everything. Uh, his heart just kind of wasn't in it anymore. Uh, he, he wasn't practicing or anything like that. So he went to do vocals and they kind of decided right there on the spot that it wasn't going to work out. They were starting to take it more professionally and take it more serious. So right. they decided to part ways with him right there. So they got another vocalist in this guy, Lewis, and he was really good. He finished five out of the six songs and then he didn't show up for a show one time uh, in Sacramento at this place called the boardwalk. Ah. He didn't show up and I was there just supporting the band. I didn't know any of the words or anything like that. And they asked me if I would hop up and do vocals for them, just make shit up the whole time. (laughs) And I was like, all right, I don't know any of these words or these songs. Well, let's go for it. And I hopped up on stage and I did vocals for them randomly. Wow. And, uh, (laughs) A good friend of theirs was like, so this is the new guy you got? <laughs> and they were like, no. Uh, he actually didn't show up. And they're like, well, you should go with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he just killed it. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing up there. <laughs> and uh, so they asked me to come down. There was only two days left of recording. Mm-hmm. They asked me to come down and track the rest of the songs. Wow. Or the, all the songs. The yeah. EP. And um, I didn't know the words, but it was all written. So I literally sat down in a chair. And the guitar player, Red, sat next to me, and he would mouth me the pattern and the lyric, and I would scream it into the mic, and we would move on. <laughs> and we did six songs in two days just like that. It's amazing. Um, yeah, so <laughs> they they asked me at the end of it uh, to if I wanted to join the band, mm-hmm. and I was down. So that's total side story, but that's how I ended up getting into the band in the first place was because of Steven. Right. So after Abominable came out, we started doing a little bit of touring and we just kind of realized after doing the first couple tours that we just didn't think we just weren't on the same page with Steven. He, he just wasn't really a, he wasn't in for like the dirty starting out tour grind, sleeping in the van. You know, it just wasn't the life that he was looking for. And right. his heart wasn't really in metal either. Mm-hmm. But at that point we had already written and recorded all of every wave of sound. Ah, okay. So his parts were done. I have versions of these songs at my house with him on it. Oh, okay. and, uh, yeah, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere on a hard drive. And, uh, at the end of a tour, we decided to part ways. You know, he wanted to do this other thing, and we were happy to let him go. We just, we just knew it wasn't going to work out in the long run. We were just over it. Right. We were basically over each other, and um, we were like, "All right, what are we going to do? Here we are as a five piece now. Um, how do we take this on vocally?" So we started looking for people, and you know, we didn't have any like real auditions, but we just kind of scoured the internet and tried to find someone and we all started to think like you know dana can kind of sing a little bit you know like over the years maybe i could work on it and uh we really didn't want to bring someone from the outside in who hadn't put in any work Uh. and at least if they weren't like a good friend of ours you Mm -hmm. know we were just gonna bring in someone out of nowhere who maybe has no tour experience has no experience being in a band right uh so well, imagine if we had gotten somebody and they were really good and they killed it. And then we went on one tour and they decided to leave because they didn't like touring. Exactly. And then we would have to go through the whole process again. And we'd have two different albums out with two different singers. And it was basically just like, 
all right, time to man up and learn how to sing. And <laughs> if I listen back on Every Wave of Sound, I did not know how to sing. And I also had no business tracking a professional album at that time. <laughs> oh, man. So, But I tracked all my own stuff for that. Oh, you did? So, okay. Yeah, and I feel bad for uh, Kevin Langford, the guy who mixed it. Like, Because I do a lot of uh, recording stuff now for yeah. other bands and everything. Mm-hmm. I think about what I sent him to mix and master. Uh-huh. I think about if someone sent me that, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. Right. So I just got to give props to him for figuring out a way to make it tolerable to listen to. So uh, props to Kevin Langford for that. That's great. Well, just to hold on for one second, because I think that's something I definitely wanted to focus on as well, were your yeah. vocals. Because you definitely can tell, let's just say the three full-length albums compared to the EP, because the EP is so different. Even... yeah. You know, every wave of sound is different, like you were just saying. But you went from doing unclean vocals to doing both, which is one of the most difficult things you can do, especially in our music scene. Totally. How long did it take you and what did you do to know that you can pull off these clean vocals? Because obviously you are a great vocalist. You have held throughout these albums so well. And on this new album, it's focused on a lot more, too. And you really shine. So what actually got you first to do the unclean vocals, but then also to work your way into the clean vocals as well? Oh, I, you know, I was just was kind of screaming as a teenager to local bands. I had uh, some inspiration, some idols from uh, this band called In Memory of Courage. They okay. were the, the top local band in my town in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. um, just kind of screaming in my car all the time. Uh, along with tracks, I didn't even really know I could do it. And what got me into the first band that I ever actually was the unclean vocalist in was the band that Steven and I were in together on the side of Hello Sailor. Ah. Um, I was actually the guitar player for that band, and we were in the studio recording our songs, and our screamer didn't show up. And they basically asked if anyone knew how to scream, and I was like, I kind of know how. So I just wrote lyrics on the spot and screamed on those songs, and sure enough they're like all right you're gonna be the screamer let's get a new guitar player yeah so that's how i got in the unclean vocals and you know i have just developed since then i think just practice and time and like listening to the people that you enjoy listening to and not trying to mimic them but like just appreciating their style and kind of taking what you can from them and make it your own right and then singing was just Singing was crazy. I had no idea what I was doing. I was just <laughs> singing. And then when you record yourself singing, it sounds even more different than you thought it was going to when yes. you hear it back, uh-huh. you know? Yep. Um, that first, everywhere was sound, I just kind of tracked it. I just did, you know, one layer. And I just sang, and that was really it. And I got better at engineering. And the more I spent time I spent engineering, the more time I spent actually singing and learning how to sing and hearing myself in a recording you know, learning what techniques help with recording, having maybe one ear off of your headphones when you're, so you can hear your real voice or, oh, sure. you know, just, just trying tons of different things. And I started to listen to other people's voices and I'm like, how do they get their voice to sound like that? There's gotta be a way. Cause you can't just, I can't just keep going up with notes. So right. what I found I, one day, I just, I was singing along with, uh, with era, you know, Jesse oh, cash. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's such a good singer. And yeah, I was like, how does he sing like that? And I just like kind of played with my voice and I just randomly hit one of his notes one day and I was like, whoa, this is just a totally different part of my body that I'm singing from. 
and it's less strenuous on my voice. Actually, it's easier. Ah. So I kind of just would just practice singing along to his stuff, uh, and su- was surprising myself at kind of the notes I was hitting. And then I decided I'm going to try this out, try this technique out on the Kingdom of Giant stuff. Yeah. And I was able to hit like what feels like, I don't really know, but twice as high of notes as I ever was. And the control over my voice was just so much better too. Wow. And you did that all without any professional help or any lessons or anything. Yeah. Uh, I really wish I had, <laughs> I, you know, I suggest it to everyone, you know, and the closest like quality vocal coach has to be at least an hour away from where I live. Uh, and even my, my mom, when she first heard like the screaming stuff and she heard I was singing, she, mm-hmm. she offered to pay. She's like, if you get vocal lessons, I'll pay for it. I don't want you to hurt your <laughs> voice and all this. And I'm like, all right. And somehow to this day, I've never taken her up on that offer just because I don't have a, if there was someone in town, I would love to go. Like I have friends that went to, um, Melissa cross. Yeah. I don't know if mm-hmm. you know who she is, but yeah, the art of screaming, she, right? Yes, yep. absolutely. And, um, they said that it changed their whole life yeah. just with, and it costs like 500 bucks an hour or something like that. But it's crazy. they're like, you only need to go for an hour. You go right. for that one hour and you're just, it'll change the way you look at vocals. And I'm like, dang, I need to go. <laughs> but I'm afraid she's going to tell me something that's going to like tell me that I'm damaging my voice the way I'm doing it and right. I need to change it. And then I'm not going to like what I sound like if I'm doing it the proper way. So I'm just like, right. Oh, ignorance is bliss in this one. I'm just going to crank this out as many years as I can. <laughs> well, they sound good on the albums. You've definitely pushed it even more on the brand new album. All the hell you've got to spare. Was there anything you were trying for specifically in this album to show vocally? I was trying to show that I can sing now. Yeah. Um, I was trying to show that I learned how to write harmonies and, mm-hmm. uh, trying to show that i i guess i guess i was just trying to write what i wanted to hear compared to what i used to be able to do you know it's mm-hmm. like i can do this now so it's opening up a whole new you know book of things i can try and it's making our songs be able to have more opportunity so i really wanted to write catchy stuff but in like a naturally not like a corny catchy kind of way so right that's basically what I was going for with the singing. And I wanted to have a lot of singing on the album, like more singing than we ever had. So I'm glad we did that too. And you definitely hit that for sure. So sorry, I apologize. We kind of skipped around a little bit, but going sure. back to every wave of sound real quick, just to finish off that question. So sure. you ended up recording or re-recording everything that you had done with Steven originally with taking him out. And then you only had him on MJ returns at the end, correct? Correct. So how did that process happen though? That whole re-recording, did you have to change the lyrics and change other things that you had originally had? Absolutely. Um, A lot of the stuff he wrote, I didn't, Oh, there was some of the stuff I couldn't do at the time for sure. Uh, he was way more skilled than me at singing, and he still is and always will be. I'll never take that away from him. But, well, people used um, to say he was very, like, almost Johnny Craig-esque when they heard him yeah. sing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which he, is a completely that, different range. I mean, it's a completely different style. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We are never, we've never been into, I say, I say this all the time, uh, King of the Giants, the rest of the guys, we've never been into having, you know, we want to be, if we're going to be famous or whatever you want to say, uh, want to do it as a band you know i'm not i'm not in it to be the 
you know, King of Giants gets big because my vocals are amazing. That's not what we're about. Her, our guitar player is the best. We you know we have a toast and a bossy or something like that. We, it's not how it is. Like we want to write music together and mm-hmm. perform it together and just be a quality all around metalcore band. You know, right? That's the way. So to do yeah. It. That being said, though, yeah, I I definitely had to change some things. Uh, there was a lot of stuff I didn't like, so I did it different. Mm-hmm. There were I changed tons of lyrics. Um, Tons of lyrics, tons of parts, uh, just kind of had to do it my own way and how we wanted to do it. You know, we've always been huge fans of more of that like gritty type of, I guess, like manly singing, you know, like <laughs> sure. architects and stuff like that, yep. rather than we're not a Chiodos or an issue dancing or, dance yeah. or issues. That's right. just not our thing. We just, we just want to be taking more, a little more grit behind it, you know? Well, let me ask you this then. You've had a story for almost every single album now of crazy shit that's happening to you that you have to oh, work dude. through. So please tell me, there must have been something between every wave of sound, which was unsigned, going into In Vogue Records for Ground Culture. Was there any crazy thing that happened to you there too? Dude, something crazy is for sure always <laughs> happening. I can tell. Uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's personally or the band, you mm-hmm. know, for sure, uh, my timeline of things is a, is a little foggy, so I don't know exactly when things happened. But um, going into ground culture, we were just we were just super angsty when it came to like religion and, and stuff like right. that. We mm-hmm. we were just fed up with, you know, I just seen so many people hurt by it, and it right. hel- hurting more people than it was helping. And I know there's plenty of good people out there who are religious and I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but there's just certain things that we were just not about. And I was like, dude, we're writing this album basically about that. You right, know? Right. Uh, and that's kind of what we did with that. And the new album actually doesn't really touch on it at all. I, I think I mentioned something one yes. time in it, but it's not even... It's not even to be taken religiously, you know? Yeah, I think it's actually, I, I remember hearing it today, I think it's something about you didn't pray in church yes. when you were there, but you pray for the world now. Yeah, it's almost just like things are so fucked up that yep. like I'll do what I'll do whatever if I have to fucking pray, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, I'll do it. Whatever's going to make this better, we're trying everything. I'll try whatever it takes, and if it means I got to pray... You know, I'll bring myself yeah. to it how much, as much as I don't want to. You know? Right. That stood out to me. There were some, you know, I like when an album comes out, obviously I got to hear it, you know, now early, yeah. but the lyrics don't come with it. But there were certainly some specific lyrics that stuck out through that entire album. And that was yeah. one of them. So, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about that. Totally. So what and was the oh, ironic thing about yeah. that real mm-hmm. quick is that, that, of course, the only song that I mentioned religion in is the song that has Daniel Gailey from right. do yeah. the solo <laughs> right after it. Right. You know, and he had only heard the instrumental and he's he's a Christian. Phineas yep. is, a, mm-hmm. is a Christian band. So he's probably just heard the lyrics after and was just like. Dude, come on! You know, like, it's like you didn't tell me it was gonna be right. Like, I come in with a solo right after the only religious thing you say on the whole album. Right. <laughs> I didn't even put that together because I had that. He's in Phineas, and he's now in becoming the archetype. I think as well. Yeah, he was. I think he was in that uh, from the beginning. I yeah, believe. Yeah, they're getting back together. I believe now. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the new word on the street, at least. Oh, that's tight. I'll have to ask him about that. Yeah, we'll have to see if that actually happens. I just had Jason Wisdom on the show before, and he's talking about his new band, Death Therapy, which is completely different, but it's really, really good if you get a chance to listen to that ever. 
Nice. Definitely we'll check it out. Yeah, it's like industrial, like uh, a Marilyn Manson almost. It's completely oh, different. Nice. Yeah, really nice stuff. Anyways, side story there. Yeah, that's actually very funny that you brought that up. Besides the lyrical content now of both of those albums, what was your mindset going into your first actual record deal with In Vogue Records doing ground culture compared to now your second album with In Vogue with the new one? That, man, so many things I could talk about. It's the the writing process was was crazy, you know, um, everyone had a different idea of how they wanted songs to go mm-hmm. and, you know, if they wanted them to be more structured or more loose or more metal or the drums. And we, Oh, here's something that happened is that we, our drummer left, uh, right when we, we basically signed it in Vogue yep. and had our first tour coming up. And then he left right before the tour, uh, so like our first tour on Invogue Records, right. I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, he left. So we didn't have a drummer for the writing process, wow, or the recording process of Ground Culture. So um, I programmed all the drums with MIDI and all that. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah. So there's five non-drummers trying to program drums, <laughs> and everyone has a totally different style that they want it to be. Wow. You know, our bass player was super into like death metal and just super heavy fast blast beats and all that which we used to have a ton of and you know we still have it here and there but um i'm way more into groovy you know like open parts so where i would see a part as like a bouncy china part he would see it as like a hi-hat thrashy blast part Uh, and we would have to come to an agreement somehow you know so i would say that that was probably the hardest part was figuring out what are we doing for drums on this album but in the long run i'm super happy with the way it came out i was it made me step up my drum writing game super hard (laughs) when did truman come and join the band then well truman was actually in the band um after our first after our first tour off abominable our drummer uh was having a baby with Mm -hmm. his girlfriend now wife um so he wanted to focus on that so he kind of left the music scene right that's when we got truman uh we got truman and he played until Steven left and right. him and Steven left basically at the same time. Uh, so we already had another lined up, drummer lined up right away. His name was Matt Marutis. He okay. was in the band for a long time. Uh, he quit right when, right when ground culture was about, was coming out. Okay. And right. then we hit up Truman. We're like, dude, it's been years. There we go. Like, okay. What do you, what's good. You want to come back? And he, he came back and he was kind of like a, almost like a hired gun at the time because mm-hmm. he was just kind of filling in and we were um weren't really writing together or anything yet but then he decided he wanted to be back full time so it was really cool to be able to do real live drums again and write with a drummer and he moved back from LA now so we were able to actually write drums and practice and be a full band a lot of the a lot of the time now so it's good no that's awesome and i think that also brings me <clears throat> to the next thing i wanted to ask because this is a little bit different than a lot of the bands in the scene right now you've got three guitarists as well totally is that is that a lot of <laughs> wading through who wants to do this who wants to do that is it more cohesion actually with three how do you guys work with it you know well basically um Julian is the newest guitar player. Mm-hmm. He's our third. He's our, our tech. Our, I'm putting quotes up like you can see our third guitar player. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
what happened with that was um, our guitar player, Red, he has uh, a kid too. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't necessarily go on every tour. Ah. So uh, we had Julian coming in to fill in. And Julian started filling in so often that he was became a really good friend of ours. And mm-hmm. then he, me and him sat down one day and me and him wrote Eternal Burn together, the song off oh. Ground Culture. Okay. And that was basically his like claim to fame. Like, And I was like, dude, you're writing with us. You're touring as much as any of us. Like, mm-hmm. Why are you not in the band? And we offered him the position to be in the band and he was so down. So basically he went from like Red's fill in to a part of the band, but that kind of is still both of their roles. So now that he's in the band, he doesn't fill in for Red. They just kind of decide, kind of switch on and off who's going to go on tour, Ah, uh, which is kind of nice because somebody always, not necessarily wants to stay home, but like has to stay home, can't get the time off work. Right. So it's nice to have three guitar players so that you don't have to hire a fill in or anything like that. We know who's coming you know, and uh, yeah, it's it's kind of the way it works. So we're never going to do three guitar players live. That's right. not what it's okay. for, you know. But we'll, we don't write for three guitars. We just have three guitar players. Okay, yeah. I was going to say that I didn't really sound like there were three, but you've yeah. always got three listed, so that's what I wasn't sure. And once again, I guess my curse is that I never get to see you guys live. So oh, yeah, I right. didn't get to know how that was actually working or not. So that's very interesting, though. Yep. So you're also producing as well. Did you do a lot of production for this album? Are you working with other people more than that? Um, basically, if just to go real quick back to Ground Culture, oh, that sure. was the... Well, actually, Every Wave of Sound, we kind of recorded ourselves right. also, mm-hmm. but I had like a mentor there with me. Um, so he did a bunch of it, but I did like some of it and I learned as much as I could. Right. Um, and we had a pretty small budget for ground culture. So we couldn't with what we had go somewhere and have someone track it and mix and master it without having to come out of our own pockets, a pretty solid chunk of money. So I was super confident at the time I had been doing our pre pro and I had been learning everything that I could. So with ground culture, I was like, I'll do this record and we'll send it out to be mixed and mastered. And it was like, I did, I did a really good job on it. Like, yeah. The best I had ever done on anything, the most time I had spent on anything. So I tracked everything for that and we sent it to Andreas Magnuson to mix and master mm-hmm. and he crushed it. We, we loved the mix. Right. Uh, we sent it out to a few people and he was the one that he was the only one that hit us back up. Like everyone just mixed a portion of it and was like, this is what, this is where I, how I see it. Right. And he was the only one that was like, um, before I do anything with this, I think you should do this to it or that to it. I'm like, wow, you're the only one that gave us criticism before you even mixed anything. Ah, I was okay. like, I like that. We're going with you. Right. So we had him do it. And I asked him at the end of it, you know, how was my, my pre pro and all that, or how was my, um, the stems I had sent him. And he said they were great. He doesn't usually get things this good. So I was like ego through the roof. Oh, sure. <laughs> all, all stoked. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but that was also a gnarly process because I was the producer. So mm-hmm. there was no outside input on if we should keep apart or leave apart or change apart. And, um, Daniel McCartney, um, he's being Gideon was yep. our booking agent at the time. And he actually gave me a, a good piece of advice, piece of advice where he was saying how he doesn't like to have any of his bands produce their own stuff because ah. you need an outside, so an outside ear to it. Cause he said, you'll keep things that you should get rid of 
mm-hmm. and you'll get rid of things that you should have kept just because you're tainted to it or you're jaded to it or whatever. And I'm like, sure. wow, that's so right. Like you wrote that part. So you have some weird connection to it, you know, that you want it to be in there, whether you want to admit it or not, <laughs> right, you know, it's right. like someone doesn't like it. Like, we're not going to use this part. And it was your part. You're like, damn it. You know, like something about it, you know, you want I don't know, some sort of validation. I don't know. But uh, it was nice to go to a producer. We went to Nick Loyacano for all the hell you've got to spare. Oh, okay. He is, uh, he is in, uh, out of San Francisco, mm-hmm. San Mateo area. And he had done some local stuff. And, uh, but we just wanted to give him a chance. He gave us a great deal and we got to do live drums, reamp real guitars, real bass. Nice. Everything was going to be real. And we sent him all the pre-pro yeah, yeah. and, uh, he dug it all. And I was like, I want you to tell me everything. And I want you to tell me if it's good. Tell me if it's bad. Help us make changes. He's also a phenomenal guitar player, which is something I thought was really important in a producer. Right. I wanted him to be able to be like, I hear something like this here, pick up the guitar and do it. You know, mm-hmm. we're not ashamed to, to have someone else write something for a part, you know, it's sure. like whatever's going to make these songs better. Yeah. Um, so he dug all the pre-pro and we went to him and his input was amazing. Just the, just the pure fact that I got to sit back and watch someone else track it and do all the editing. Yeah. I was just like, yes, <laughs> you know, it, was, it felt so good to not have my own bandmates, you know, over my shoulder. Like you should do this here. You should do this here. It was like, there was someone there who right. it was their job that we're paying to tell us if we're doing something right or wrong, regardless of who wrote these parts None of it matters, you know. He's going to tell us what's up, and that's what I really liked about it the most. Wow, yeah, that sounds like a really intricate process, but it looks like that kind of took a little bit of the weight off your shoulders for that. It definitely did. Like, I don't mind doing the pre-production and all that. That yeah. stuff's actually really fun. But when it came to doing the full thing, I was just like, "All right, hands off this time. Maybe again in the future, but." Right now, I'm, and maybe not even again, because I really liked having that outside opinion. Right, right. Are you in charge of all the lyric writing and the song structure itself? Not all of it. Okay. Um, ground culture, like the, uh, Red and I are the only two that write lyrics. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a, a pretty distinct difference, if you ask me. Like, if you know, if you listen to the songs, you can almost hear mm-hmm. who wrote what. Gotcha. Uh Maybe you can't. I don't know. I can tell um, just because our vocabulary is completely different and things that I would say are completely different than what he would say. I think once people uh, get to go through the album like a few times, then they'll definitely be totally, able to tell that. Yep. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, it's just us. I on, on Ground Culture, it was probably like I probably wrote like 65 percent of it. OK. Um, but on this new album, I wrote I was able to just take the reins and i probably wrote 95 percent of it and oh wow um red actually he helped out um in basically in the clutch you know when i needed something or if i was had a bunch of songs left to write he would kind of be like i'll take this one and start working on it so as soon as it got started and there was the theme there Mm -hmm. i was just like okay like i know where we're going with this now like i'll take over so and do you have like a, not a standard, but do you have something that you fall back on for writing? Do you do a stream of conscience or do you pick a theme and then write around that? Kind of, it sort of depends on the song, you know, when I'm going into it. I actually don't, I do this to myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I do this, but I don't really write any lyrics until all the instrumentals are 100% done. Oh, sure. And that, and that sucks because 
You're waiting. Now you have, yeah, you're waiting. So like, when we write something for the first time, I could sit down and write lyrics to it on the spot right there because I'm super inspired by it. It's new, it's fresh in my mind, and I'm just ready to go. But when you write the first song, and then by the time you write 10 other songs, 11 other songs, that first song you've heard for so long that you tr- to try to write lyrics for it mm-hmm. is so much harder than it would have been if I just wrote it. Ah. But doing having the ability to do our own pre-production is kind of it's a blessing and a curse because we get to do it ourselves but it leaves there's no like stamp this song is done you know uh, like you're you always go back to it so that's why i don't bother writing lyrics because we change the songs so much so often throughout the writing process yeah that i would like if i wrote two parts back to back they're supposed to go into each other now we want to restructure the whole song it was pointless why did i waste my time right you know so that's the tough part. Yeah, that's a really interesting process then. Wow. So you found yourself, I'm guessing, in the past then, constantly possibly rewriting lyrics or taking out parts because there was no other instrument part for that once you took it out. Okay. All right. That makes sense then. Let me switch gears a little bit because I wanted to also bring up, while we had time, about your guitar work because you've also got a side project, right? Oh, yeah, Closure. Yeah, Closure's got a couple new tracks on it. Now, is this something that you wanted to do because it almost takes that pressure off of you of everything else you're doing in Kingdom of Giants? Totally. There's a couple reasons. Um, I like to stay busy. Right. Uh, I'm that type of person. I have a million hobbies, and I do a million things, and I'm I'm good at none of them because <laughs> I put because I have too many. You know? It's the jack-of-all-trades thing, yeah. It's totally, totally. Right. I'm like the most – I'm like – the most mediocre person like i'm good <laughs> at just about everything but right. like that's it like everyone's better than me at it like i can do <laughs> anything i want to do but just just enough where it doesn't matter you know gotcha. that's a great <laughs> but, way to look at it <laughs> yeah so um but also there's a few reasons for closure there's mm-hmm. there's uh there's that that i like to do everything i play guitar i've i was a guitar player before i was a vocalist exactly yep um these were really good friends of mine um that asked me to come join uh so i've always wanted to make music with them for one uh it's a there's this lyric um, do you know mac miller the rapper i've only slightly heard of him probably because of this okay well he has this one lyric that is he says the more you do the less you wait and I'm just like, wow, that like sat with me so raw. I was like, that is so true. Like I know people that only do one thing and they're just constantly waiting around for right. that. Like, in the, especially in the music game, it is such a waiting game. You're always waiting for something. You're waiting for your master's back. You're waiting to go to the studio. You're waiting to get the photos back that someone took for you. You're waiting to get your music video back. You're waiting for your tour to come up. Like it's just right. endless waiting game. And you th- just when you think it's over, like there's just more stuff that you're waiting for. Okay. So to, to keep my mind off it, I like to do other things. So the more you do, the less you wait. Yep. That's why I'm the reason I joined closure. Um, they're really good friends of mine. I got to play guitar. They are the masterminds behind that band. I really just have to show up and play guitar. Okay. So it's a total opposite of Kingdom of Giants. Right. For Kingdom of Giants, right. I'm doing all the writing, not all the writing. I'm doing all the recording. I'm doing lyrics. I answer all the emails. I'm the point of contact guy. I'm doing podcasts yep. now. Doing podcasts. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a lot to do, you know. Um, right. Uh, so I just got to show up and play some music with my friends. It's a totally different ballgame. So yeah. that's that's why I like to do that. And it seems like, too, with the type of music... Now, you only have, like, a couple tracks, right? 
Oh, uh, we have about forty or fifty tracks that, we, but that I mean that are out. that we've written, but that are yeah. out. Yeah, just, go. a, just just a couple. If I miss, yeah, if I miss thirty eight tracks, then I was going to be pissed at myself. No, <laughs> Our marketing is yeah. terrible. If there's thirty eight <laughs> tracks out and you haven't heard anything, but the music is very like more on that kind of groovy side that you had mentioned before that you enjoy. Totally. So it's definitely something that you actually enjoy doing. It takes the pressure off because you know you're playing guitar for you don't have to worry about anything else. It seems like it's a good fit for you. Yeah, it is. Um, and not to mention that, like, I, I love metal. I love metalcore. I love heavy music. But yeah. I just need to take a break from it sometimes. I don't listen to it that often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really enjoy hip hop and, um, you know, just different stuff. So to play in something that I actually would listen to is really cool. You know, like, in between, like, it's sometimes there's just a lapse in time where I've listened to all the metal I can and, like, four months goes by before a new album comes out that I'm super stoked on. So yeah. that's just kind of how it is. So to play something that I am also would be interested in is cool. That's not metal. Oh, absolutely. And that actually leads me to another question I want to ask about the new album. So, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, with Low Life, that yeah. track really caught me off guard for a second. So who's doing that, the little rap breakdown there? That is a local artist in Sacramento. His name is Charlie Muscle. Nice. That's a good name. Yeah, it's such a tight name. (laughs) Uh, Basically, what's going on with that is I wanted to do a rap feature so badly because I've heard it attempted so many times and I've never liked the feature ever. Ah, okay. Um, And I just always thought that someone should do it right. Like, like. I think uh, Icy Stars got the like the dude from Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, right, right. Um, yeah, and I actually don't know that track. For all I know, that one's for all I know that one's awesome. It's um, on the but, new one, right? Uh, the one previous to oh, what? to the new one, I believe. Oh, really? Um, okay, then I'm I, I way so. off then. Uh, but I know Icy, not Icy Stars. Um, Sleeping with Sirens had Machine Gun Kelly, and I just didn't like the way that one went. I right. was like, someone needs to just get a real badass rapper in here and do it right. And we wrote the song with, we knew that breakdown was going to be there. And as soon as we wrote it, we were like, we should put a rap feature here. And we didn't know who we were going to get. Maybe we didn't think it was even going to happen because we had already gotten JT. uh, We had already gotten Daniel. Right. And I was just trying to think of rappers that we could get. And it just clicked. I was like, what about this guy who we saw on a cypher? on Facebook, he just popped up on our feed one time on oh. Facebook and, I, and we've always been obsessed with this dude. And I was like, what about that guy? And I was, <laughs> looked and he was from Sacramento and I was like, Charlie muscle is from Sacramento. I was like, how do we get a hold of this guy? What are the odds we can make this happen? Wow. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to send him a Facebook message. Like maybe it's as easy as that. Right. And I literally said, Hey dude, we're writing a metal track trying to like cross collaborate, want to see if it's something you'd be interested in, sent him the track and he was super stoked on it, sent him the lyrics and he was super stoked on it. Um, he felt like he could relate a lot to that song mm-hmm. and uh, he crushed the lyrics yep. in it. I love, I love his part. Can't believe all it took was a Facebook message. Right. Just hit him up and just damn near ask. You never know. You absolutely never yeah. know. Yeah. It turns out really well. I was just shocked because I never heard anything like that from you guys before. So yeah. it kind of comes out of nowhere. But I think yeah. it really works for that track. There's a few things that we've always wanted to do that we got to do on this album. It's There's a few things that being in a band, I feel like every band says they want to do, and they just, for some reason, don't get the opportunity to do it. And getting a rapper on a track yep. was one for us. 
So we got to do that. Getting a, a guest feature from a guitar solo. Yep. Got that. We wanted to have a girl on the track and we actually yeah. wanted her to have like a, be like a theme throughout the album. We wanted her to come back like three or four different times. Um, but it only worked out to, for her to be on two tracks. Two tracks, right. Um, yep. Uh, Caitlin, right? Yeah. Caitlin. Yeah. Yes. She's awesome. Such, such a talented person. She kills guitar. Like I want to start a project with her so badly, just like something on the side where right. we can do some acoustic stuff. Cause she is so good. She writes like just the darkest, coolest yeah. stuff. Like I don't know if you, you should follow her on Instagram. She's she's constantly posting pictures or, or videos of her playing guitar and singing, and it's oh like, okay. Oh, I I always love it. Super cool. Yeah, that's um, Caitlin but, May for everyone, just so they know. Yes, Caitlin May. Yes, and she. Uh, yeah, so we got her on two tracks, and another thing we got to do was I've always wanted to have artwork for every song on the album, which we never got to do. But we were just like, all right, let's just come out of our pockets and just do this right now. So we, uh, Max, our guitar player, actually uh-huh. drew those skulls that you keep ah, seeing. Okay. Each- so yeah, he yeah. actually drew all those, and we just kind of had them vectorized. So mm-hmm. uh, we actually have artwork for each song, and it's like it all has a theme, and I'm just so happy with the way it's all coming together. That's very cool. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because the album covers before this one were all very, very intricate and you really scaled down for this oh, yeah. one. Is there a reason for the scaling down of it? Okay, so when I was when I was new to the band, I was very, you know, quiet. I didn't know the guys very well. I just kind of would go along with whatever they wanted to do. But you know, getting to know the guys and everything, I'm like pretty biz- business savvy and lightweight like I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I like to be, uh, I like to be a leader in a way, you right. know, mm-hmm. whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Um, but I started to like voice my opinion a little bit more. And, um, Max was Max, our, my other guitar player was the exact same way, even though he was just always quiet, but he started talking to me a lot and we would start, to, we started to bring our opinions into the way things wanted to go. So that's kind of how things started to change when we started to like speak our minds and be like, dude, we're not into this. Like, don't get me wrong, Dan Mumford is a crazy good artist, and right. I'm so glad we went to him for that time. Mm-hmm. But that's just not the type of art that we're into anymore. Right. We're into finding creativity and simplicity. You know, it's yeah. like a drummer that has 50 cymbals and a million toms. He could just go crazy on them all day long, but it takes a creative drummer to take two toms and two cymbals to come up with something clever and creative with less so Mm -hmm. that's how i look at artwork the same way so uh we've slowly been scaling down and we finally got to get into something that we we really like more which is simplicity and finding beauty and simplicity and it definitely works for sure so you mentioned all the things that you wanted to do on this album you've also had multiple guest vocalists from previous albums as well and we talked about rory also you had ricky from this or the apocalypse i seem to on the show have every single band that ricky has done a feature on so this continues (laughs) that trend at some point awesome yeah at some point he will be on the show that's definitely going to happen but i've had every single band he's ever done a feature on for a next album is there anyone that you've got your heart set on having to do whatever type of guest vocaling, guest guitar, or something like that? Oh, man. I know. I put you I on the spot. Even... My apologies. On that. I, no, no, no. That's okay. Uh, 
I it's like I want to say I haven't even started thinking about the next album, but we kind of do have like four or five songs done already. I was kind of feeling I, that that would probably be something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really thought about. I don't know where I'm gonna be emotionally or in life or what my lyrical content is going to be like for the next album just yet. Mm -hmm. And I think that a guest vocal spot would have to do with that, you know, with how the album seems to be going. Um, But I mean, overall, it's like if I could get Sam Carter from Architects, I'd ah. just be plenty, plenty happy. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> it's like ungettable at this point to me. It's like he's he's he doesn't do stuff too often. I think he's done it for like Bring Me the Horizon, and now it's just like okay, yeah, it's got to be tough. Be too easy. No, that I was one. Super jealous of yeah. uh, super jealous of um, Silent Planet for for getting Spencer from Under Oath. It's like oh, right. I thought that would be ungettable. I don't know how they pulled that off. It's awesome. I just saw Under Oath on tour, and they were just so fucking amazing. Oh, dude, so fucking tight. I never got to see them uh, when they were touring, you know? Yeah, yeah. And last year, they decided to get back together, and I got to... It's weird, because I never got to ever even just see them, mm-hmm. but last year, we played So What Fest, and I got oh, to yeah. play... My first time ever seeing them, I got to play with them, and I was like my life is complete right <laughs> could die tonight everything's cool right saw right. under oath and played the same shows on the same day that's pretty amazing how did you like besides the under oath part how did you like so what because we actually went and we did live coverage of this year's one as well and i did a bunch of interviews there it was an awesome time were you there for the one where they were at all the separate venues i was okay so we kingdom of giants played the one last spring that was at quick trip um, that was the one with Under Oath. That was really cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my band Closure played the one in um, the fall that was all over downtown. Ah, there you uh, go. Okay. Uh, what is it? What is that place called? It's, it's like uh, Deep Elm, I think. Deep, yeah, Deep yep. Elm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. All over Deep Elm. So we played that one. And then Closure also played this one this past spring. Um, we played on Saturday. Yeah, we played on Saturday, so what, that was cool. Do you remember by any chance what time you played on Saturday? Because that's probably why I missed it. Oh yeah, we played on like at like twelve fifty yeah. on the main stage. I was interviewing someone at that point, but that pissed oh, really? me off too because I was like, wait a second, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know who that is. And I was like, yeah. son of a bitch. Yeah, I missed a bunch of bands because of the interviews themselves, but yeah, course, it's part right? of the whole industry and everything. You know how it goes. Oh, totally. But that is awesome. So is that one of those things that you definitely enjoy doing is going back to those big festivals like a So What? Yeah, I was hoping we were going to get invited back uh, this year for Kingdom of Giants. Uh, but we didn't get an offer. I was pretty bummed about that, but is what it is. So hopefully we'll be able to come back because we had a great time. We played uh, the third stage, which was yeah. a small one, but mm-hmm. we had such a good time. There was a we, we had a. We had a great crowd. Everyone was into it, yep. and it got someone. Luckily, a couple of people filmed it, so it's on it's on YouTube and all that. The set, and I was happy with our performance, so it was cool. Would you want to do a warp tour at all? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's. I know it's a grind, and I know like people that have done it, they're like, "Dude, it's not worth it." But it's like I don't care if it's worth it or not. Like it's like the goal for bands, you know. It's like just to be able to do it say you did it and have that experience you know it's absolutely no that's I do it in true. a van i do it in a truck <laughs> i do it in whatever we had to do you know right yeah you've definitely heard it's a grind that's what i hear i mean you always hear the people that absolutely love it and you hear the people that absolutely hate it but it's also one totally. of those things that you definitely want to do so that's understandable definitely do. i thought there was a small chance we were going to be able to get it this year because 
unfortunately we were when they started talking about it like the lineup and all that mm-hmm. we were in, in the dead zone of our album cycle we hadn't been doing anything for for a couple of years right. uh it's just what happens to every band but we thought that it would help that our album's coming out may 5th mm-hmm. and the hype is coming up but they couldn't you know get like make make a band an offer off something that could happen you know uh, like, for all they know we were going to put out crappy music and the album was going to tank and then we were going to be on warp tour like i get it you know uh, that seems ridiculous but i understand now it's too late <laughs> yeah <laughs> now it's too late obviously for this one but maybe next year I say that every year yeah i know i'm getting really it's such pissed. a great tour man i would love to I do know. it it's like they put together something something that's just unfathomable just tour the whole country with the biggest bands possible right they do it every year it's crazy i think now just based on this conversation i'm gonna have to do something else in my life become a tour manager somehow and just get yes. you on tour somewhere <laughs> because i have to see you live at some point totally well it, if it means anything uh we do have a couple things in the works for the summer so. oh good okay at least there's something working there that's good well let me ask totally. you this we've been talking for a while i don't want to take too much of your time up but I did want to ask because you said you have a ton of hobbies. What hobbies do you have outside of music? Um, a lot of them involve music, but uh, I'm super into health and fitness. I'm mm-hmm. kind of a freak, um, but so I'm constantly like going to the gym or doing something, yeah. exercising. Uh, I've been learning a lot of the stuff has to do with the band, just mm-hmm. because I'm tired of paying people to do stuff that I think I might be able to do myself. Ah, sure. <laughs> like. You know, it's like, or you know, it's not necessarily that I think I could do it myself. It's just that I, we have to because we don't have any money, and it's like I can't pay someone two hundred fifty dollars every time we want to do new photos for promos. Uh, you know, sure. so yeah, trying to get into photography, and I'm doing like some filming and stuff. I shoot like our guitar playthroughs and oh, very nice. drum playthroughs and all that kind of stuff now. Um, surfing, I love surfing oh, okay. so much. I, that's why I go down to Huntington and. Uh, I just like to travel really. And just, I could get in our van right now and disappear for a month and not talk to anybody and just live on, live by myself and a wow. little surfboard and a freaking acoustic guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's like a completely different life. I mean, you said you came from Connecticut to go to California. Yeah. I'm right now in Boston. So that's a completely different life than I could possibly have. Yeah. No, that's Wait, you say you, would you, you, you kind of skipped right there. What'd you say about Boston? Oh, that's where the show is from right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. And did you move there from somewhere else? I was an Air Force brat, so we lived everywhere. So I've lived overseas. I've been to a bunch of different places. I've been trying uh, to get to the West Coast, but I'm stuck in Boston. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually went to UMass Lowell for a while. Oh, you did? Okay. Yep. And is that where you were getting your electrician's degree? Um, I was going there for uh, for music, for some recording, okay. uh, but I immediately switched that to electrical engineering okay. and then decided I wanted nothing to do with that also. <laughs> so I transferred uh, back. I went back to Connecticut and I went to school at Barron Institute of Technology in oh, yeah. uh, like South, South Windsor. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had like an electrical degree, like a one year program, almost like a trade school. So I did that for a year and crushed that. That was pretty yeah. easy. And uh, after that, I was like, well, my mom was selling her house and moving to New Hampshire. And I was like, well, I could, you know, get a place here in Connecticut and start working on this electrical degree, or I could fig- do anything I want right now. You know, right. it's like, might as well jump on this opportunity. Uh, my aunt lived in the San Francisco Bay area of California. Mm-hmm. So I, I called her up and I was like, Hey, would you mind if I came and stayed with you for a little while until I got 
my shit together basically. And she was more than happy. So I flew out there and I stayed with her for a while until I got a job. And then the band thing started yeah. happening and things started taking off. So very cool. Man. Shout out to Aunt Bonnie. <laughs> I also, <laughs> by the way, dream alive. I like that you say aunt because I do the same thing. Can't stand oh, it when yeah. people say aunt. They do it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still have my, totally still have my East Coast roots too. Like all my, all my band members say hella and I never say hella. <laughs> and I still say mad and wicked. Like, yeah. oh, that's wicked awesome. And they're like, you're so East Coast. I'm like 10 <laughs> years here and I still say wicked. It never leaves you. It really does. Never leaves you. No, I can't. Nice. I can't jump. I'm not just going to jump on that hella hype. It's not going to happen. No, I'm not sure I've ever said that except for that South Park episode where they said the <laughs> entire <right>. time. <laughs> well, Dana, man, this has been great. I think people learned a ton about everything that you've done, you know, throughout your career here with Kingdom of Giants, and I'm really hoping that everyone is getting even more excited for the new album. So once again, it's May 5th. All the Hell You've Got to Spare, that comes out on In Vogue Records. You said you're going to be working on some stuff for touring this summer, but hopefully everyone will pre-order or pick up the album that first week. But for right now, what's the best way for people to support you? I would say just stay active with us on any form of social media. Um, Pre-ordering the album will just be the biggest way that you can help us right now. Um, I don't know how many fans know this, uh, but those first week numbers are super important to bands, yep. every single band, um, depending on how many you sell, that's your worth, um, right. in terms of the music industry. So if you sell a small amount, then they don't see a value in putting you on big tours. If you sell a good amount, then, you know, it just steps your tier up in the game. So the more that you can sell in that first week, the better. So if you like vinyl, get on that vinyl that we finally have. Yep. If not, um, just, one way or another listen to it or buy it or something yep we definitely drill in like right into people's heads the audience all the time about how important because when i first started the show i don't think anyone really knew that much that it was so important to get first week people are like oh well we'll just buy it whenever you know whenever we can and right it's great and yeah in a way that's always going to help that's but amazing. it's that it yeah, will. it's just that first week if you can really pull it together, you can get it going then. I'm still surprised it means so much, but it really does. And hopefully, like you talked about in the beginning, that changes over time. But yeah. right now, that's where it is. Totally. We're in a weird day and age for music, that is for sure. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm scared to see where it yeah. goes too, you know? Right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, Dana, man, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was awesome. I've been a fan for a Definitely. long time, so it's great to talk to you. So once again, thank you very much, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. Hey, one more thing real quick. Oh, yeah. I was on I was on Twitter uh, yesterday, and mm-hmm. I had kind of just learned about the podcast. Oh, yeah. What, what are the odds I'm scrolling down, and I see uh, my boy Kyle from Sirens and Sailors. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he had a picture with you or something no, like that. No, no, no. That's not me. That's, uh, that's not you? That's Who's a listener. That? That's a listener. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Rick. I'm, I'm laughing because I just remembered that. Rick is a listener of the show, and they've been going uh, back and forth because... I've hung out with him before, Sirens and Sailors, like anytime they come around. And I keep on telling him, yeah. like, you know, I got a big show. Like, you have to come on at some point. And they're like, yeah, totally. you'll catch us. But they're always out doing something. So I yeah, never get totally. a chance to do it. <laughs> I straight up told him on that post. I was just like, dude, I'm doing a podcast with him tomorrow. I'm going to shout you out. Be sure to listen for it. And I'm telling him to get you on there. So oh, yeah. Gotta do it. Now no. we got to get him on there. <laughs> you know, I only have people on the show 
that I love their music. And Sirens yeah. and Sailors definitely have to be on here sometime. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. It's, it's going to happen. Like, and Sirens and Sailors, no way they're ever coming on because yeah. I have to love their music. You know, I should. <laughs> you know what? I should have said that. I should. You know, fuck them. Nope, definitely not happening. <laughs> fuck them. Never going to happen. Bunch of garbage. Live no, that's show great. Is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who likes bass drops? It's just awful. Right. I mean, seriously, I don't, I don't need any of that stuff. It's 2017, guys. Come on. No, Come I love on, this Get show. over it. I love this show. Yeah, I'm glad too. you pointed that out too, because hopefully they will hear that. They will have mm-hmm. to come on at some point for sure. Absolutely. And hopefully we get on a tour with them in the future. And oh. that'd be cool. I feel like it's crazy that our paths haven't crossed yet. Yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> I really Hell hope yeah. that happens. Yes. Very nice, man. Well, once again, thank you very much. All right, bro. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been awesome. Not a problem, man.
Welcome back, everyone. The last song you heard was Motif, once again, off the brand new Kingdom of Giants album, All the Hell You've Got to Spare. It comes out Friday, May 5th on Invogue Records. Make sure you pre-order it. Obviously, as you heard in the conversation, all the links to support Kingdom of Giants are in the description of this episode. I pre-ordered my album. You definitely should as well, especially after how entertaining all those stories were. I know you had to enjoy it. So I once again want to thank Dana for coming on the show. I'd also like to thank Mike for once again helping set all of this up. It is very much appreciated. Ian Hates also has Ian Hates Music Weekly Edition, where myself and co-host Jackson talk about all the scene news, new songs, segments, fun, comedy, whatever you want. It's all there, all for free. So after you go ahead and pre-order the new Kingdom of Giants album, scroll down a little bit and you'll see all the links to help support Ian Hates Music. It is always much appreciated. Thank you all for listening. Thank you once again to Dana for coming on the show. Thank you to Mike for setting everything up. And I'm going to leave you with the newest single. It's called Tunnel Vision, and it's featuring JT of ERA. So enjoy, and I will leave you the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.